Growing up, I was a camp kid. I spent my summers going to different types of camps, from day camp at the local private school to Girl Scout overnight camp in the mountains outside of Denver. I loved my overnight camps the best. While I missed my home comforts, I treasured making new friends and seeing old friends from previous years. I adored my counselors, who were often college students or young adults, whom I would grow to admire, and I often wished I could be like them. Given how deeply camp affected me, I knew that I wanted my two boys to have the opportunity to go to camp. We started off by sending each boy to the summer camps run by the school district. Their first exposure to overnight camp occurred when we discovered through Chalice the existence of Camp de Venneville Pines. De Venneville, de Venneville, which apparently I can't even say today, de Venneville is a beautiful camp in the San Bernardino National Forest that is owned by the Pacific Southwest District of the Unitarian Universalist Association. It is open all year round to UUs and non-UUs alike. And it entertains camps of all manner of groups, from church clusters, more about that later, to affinity groups. It also hosts its own themed camps, such as rainbow families, homeschoolers, young adults, elementary, middle school, senior high, and family camps. We started out by going to Deveneville for family winter camp, which also was an elementary school camp. It occurred over the President's Day weekend. My then-husband, Tom, was in charge of outdoor fun at the camp, and he organized all sorts of snowy activities. I helped, at, helped out as a generic staff member. I even said generic across my chest. I'm just kidding. Um, I helped out, and our boys had a blast in the snow, throwing snowballs made from tube socks because they didn't contain rocks or ice and sledding down the hills. From that moment on, we were a DeBeneville family. My older boy eventually went on to go to middle school camp, and he fully embraced it. He then went on to even go to middle school camp with me present there. I got a chance to volunteer at middle school camp, and he was kind enough to acknowledge my presence there. I was invited to work as the head of social events for middle school camp, and I organized theme nights and a movie night and even a dance party for the campers. Duncan then went on to enjoy senior high camp for both summer and winter, and camp became so important to him that he wrote a college application essay about his experiences at camp. Griffin on the other hand, was a little slow, slow to fully embrace the DeBeneville experience. He went to elementary camp once, but he never got a chance to go to middle school camp, thanks in part to the pandemic. By the time the camp opened up again this summer, he hadn't had the extensive exposure to camp life, nor the opportunity to make camp friends. Yet, he was agreeable with his usual, hmm, when his father and I proposed that he go to senior high camp this summer. Now, like many things you, you, the success of camp is dependent on the effort of volunteers. Age, adults of all ages 
both child-free and caregiver, are asked by the camp dean to give of their time to help the camps run smoothly. The camp deans, in turn, are chosen by the camp ministries director, otherwise known as the CMD, or command, which I like to think of it. The CMD is currently Mary Ann Swift Gifford, who became a friend of mine when she was assistant dean of the middle school camp I volunteered at. This spring, I received a text from Mary Ann asking if I would consider helping out at elementary school camp. Of course, I said yes. One week up at the Veneville, count me in. It turned out that the dean of that long ago middle school camp that I worked at, Kathleen Moscato, was now the dean of elementary school camp. I was excited to have the opportunity to work with her again. Elementary camp was the first youth camp to be held since the Veneville closed because of the pandemic. So we adults felt the pressure of making sure we had a COVID-free camp, especially since the camp held the week before us, a theater camp, ended up having a few cases of COVID. As a result, we had stringent measures in place. We would require campers to be vaccinated and boosted before coming up to camp. Caregivers would have to administer rapid COVID tests that morning before driving up to camp, as well as upon arrival at Beneville. Campers would pack with them extra masks and tests. And the challenging part, administering rapid tests to 33 campers. Masks would be worn in cabins and in the lodge, and kids would be kept to their small cabin clusters during meals and some activities to minimize the chances of exposure. We adults had to condition ourselves to wearing masks inside of Craig's cabin, the upscale cabin in which we were staying. And it was perhaps harder for us to remember to mask up, as many of the kids were conditioned to doing so at school. One of the things I learned at camp was that preventing COVID necessitated quite a bit of flexibility and, let's face it, winging it on our part. It had been a long time since any of us had done camp. And for some adults and kids, it was their first time doing camp. And we had to make up things as we went along. We decided hours before the campers arrived that instead of eating meals inside of the lodge, we would eat outside under Easy Up tents located just outside the lodge. This decision proved to be a good one. Flexible thinking was key to the success of elementary camp. Things couldn't go back to the way they used to be, so all of us, campers and staff, had to learn to embrace a way of problem solving, problem solving that was less ego-driven and to face it, more community-based. Time and again, I saw instances where ego was put aside and that had better results than that more ego-driven essence of, of decision-making. And of course, paying attention to our covenants helped a lot. Another practice that developed at camp was the heavy use of they-them pronouns. We used they, them pronouns with our campers who said that they either wanted to try out non-gendered pronouns or who went by they, them pronouns at home. 
And we use they, them pronouns with campers to the extent that we just gradually use it as the default to actually refer to campers instead of trying to remember, okay, so this camper uses they, them, this camper uses she, she, her, this camper uses he, him. We just referred to all campers by they. And it was remarkably easy to do that. At elementary camp, the counselors, who are traditionally high school and college age, are assisted by counselors in training who spend the first couple of days at camp doing intensive training on how to be a counselor. It required lots of singing. They were then assigned to different cabins to help out. The adult staff supported the dean and the counselors by either running activities like tie-dye or the nurse's station, or by being a responsible person at other activities such as games or pool time. I was in the latter category and ended up spending a lot of my time at the pool. I got a great tan. The pool was not the only option for kids to partake in during morning and afternoon activities. They could also do crafts, archery, or lodge time. There were also moments when cabins would work on the worship service that they would lead evenings in the evening with the on-staff minister. Each cabin did a service incorporating themes such as nature or individuality or whatever struck them as worship-worthy that day. The songs in this particular service, are all, with the exception of the offertory, were, are all drawn from the services that the elementary campers chose for their services. But let's get back to the pool. The pool is important. During pool time, I learned kids are always listening. At my first pool time, I was standing around with some of the campers I had accompanied to the pool. We were waiting for the other campers to show up. One camper asked, what is for lunch today? This was a very popular question. What's for lunch? What's for breakfast? What's for dinner? They always ask. I could have just said, I don't know, but that would have been too easy. Instead, I replied, you know, there are so few true mysteries in the universe. One of them is the question of what's for lunch at camp. Surprisingly enough, she accepted my answer <laughs> and apparently loved it so much that the next day when another camper asked what's for lunch today, she repeated it verbatim. Another valuable lesson I learned during pool time was that regardless of age, young people can feel really big feelings. I don't know if there was magic in being able to swim surrounded by beautiful pine trees or if there were some special chemicals in that pool water, or if it was just the calm nature of our lifeguard. But something about that pool acted like truth serum, and the elementary kids let go of their metaphorical masks. This is where I saw how the stresses of COVID and isolation had affected them, and how they were now trying to get used to peers and communal living. Many of our campers were neurodivergent. That is, they were different in mental or neurological ways than from what was considered typical. Some had ADHD, some were on the autism spectrum. We learned about our campers via the profile forms that were their caregivers filled out when registering for camp. These forms were really, really useful. 
They gave us insight into what made our campers who they were. And being neurodivergent could affect how some of our campers reacted to change and to being at camp. One of the things that made the Venneville special is that these UU campers are allowed to be with others like them. Yet, at the same time, they can be their own unique selves. Many campers compared their experiences at DeVenneville to what they endured at other summer camps and stated that DeVenneville is superior. Yay! They didn't have to pretend to fit in. Yet, it is easier to fit in when you are a part of the majority. Let's face it. When you are a member of a minority culture, you do tend to stand out more. There was one camper, one of our youngest, who was neurodivergent and had faced many challenges in her early life. Fortunately, her mothers had told us how she communicated her feelings when if you asked her, what color are you feeling, she would tell you what the color was, and then you could associate that with what the emotion meant. This young camper was one of only two black female campers at camp. She and the other black girl, who was a sixth grader, formed a bond which helped both of them. It can be lonely when you're one of only a few black, indigenous, or people of color in a place. And I was glad that these two found each other and connected. At the pool, I heard and saw how these two campers were perceived by the other campers. And I'll be honest, I did become concerned, especially for the younger girl who hadn't yet developed the skills to cope with it on her own. So I swore to myself that I would keep an eye on her and, that I would, and then I followed up with the other adult staff, telling them of my observations. I didn't think it had really occurred to anyone else to consider whether or not race might have something to do with it. But in this instance, there was some fear going on. So, as the only actual staff member of color, I decided that it was worth keeping in mind. When things came to a head in a confrontation with another camper a couple of days later, I went to this particular young camper, I knelt before her, I took her hands, and I asked her, what color are you feeling? Immediately, she stopped being agitated and turned her head toward me. I asked again, what color are you feeling? She said, red. I then knew what was going on. I asked her, why are you feeling red? She said, I don't know. But we talked. We talked about how feeling red feels. And we had this great conversation. And from that point on, we made eye contact with each other, and she and I were connected. We, I spent the rest of elementary camp with her cabin when I wasn't doing my other tasks. She had a grown-up who she knew was on her side. Her emotions calmed down for the rest of camp, and she realized that there were people on her side who cared about her. That was very important. One of the counselors in training bonded with her as well, and it helped her navigate her big emotions to know that there was someone there for her when I wasn't around. At the end of camp, all the campers were, are given special awards that honor who they are. So it might be something like most musical or most likely to burst into jazz hands. 
This particular camper was given the award for most spirited camper, and I was really happy for her for that. When I got home, I knew that I wanted to do a service on my week at the Bedeville. What I didn't know is that I would actually spend two weeks at the Bedeville. The way the camps are arranged is that first you have elementary camp, then you've got middle school camp or junior high camp, and then you've got senior high camp. So during the week of middle school camp, I was arranging to get my son Griffin ready to go up for his first ever senior high camp. So I was at home doing laundry and buying flashlights. Then I got a text from Mary Ann asking if I had time to talk. Ayana, is there any way that you can come back and do senior high camp? Apparently, the volunteers that the adult dean had lined up were getting sick with COVID. Ah, COVID, our friend. So the adult dean, who was currently running a camp in another state, needed Marianne to find more volunteers. If she didn't find enough adults to be staffed, the camp for the senior high would be canceled. I didn't want that to happen, so I said yes immediately. Griffin, on the other hand, was a little less enthusiastic about his mother being at camp. After all, this was to be his first senior high camp. His first. And he was really looking forward to an opportunity to hang out, be himself. He didn't want his mom lurking around. I understood. And I promised that I would go up and give him his space. But he was still a little morose when we went up to camp. But I was optimistic that it would all end up working out. So at senior high camp, in addition to there, to there being an adult dean, there's also a youth dean. This youth dean was amazing. She had a staff, and she had great, her staff was all made up of other youth. They did things like worship. They did things like communicating with the other youth. They were vibrant and like the other campers, so they communicated really well and kept everyone from turning into Lord of the Flies, which is very helpful. So the youth, this youth dean, who in conjunction with Mary Ann, did all the programming and planning for camp. Sadly, the adult dean caught COVID and never made it up to camp. So Mary Ann and the youth dean did everything. And Instead of starting on Sunday, like camp traditionally does, senior high camp started on a Wednesday because that was when our nurse could actually make it up to camp. So it was a truncated camp. But we packed everything we could into that camp. They, Marianne and our youth dean decided to focus on the traditions that were the most important. That included the game Night Crossing, which is a game played at night in the forest with flashlights. You can imagine how fun that is. And the dance. And of course, bridging for the seniors, which is a very important ceremony. The youth dean did a great job with her staff. The camp was relatively small, with about 32 campers. But the small size made it really easy to pivot on decisions as needed. The adult staff mostly served as chaperones in the cabins. There is a saying that there's certain things that we don't do at camp, and one of them is there's one person per sleeping bag. <laughs> this is a big deal at camp. 
So one of the things that the adult staff does is we go on night walks throughout camp, and we make sure that there's only one person per sleeping bag and that everyone's in their cabin. And during the day, we help out with archery, we help out with crafts and the pool. One craft became, unbeknownst to me, the dyeing of hair. I had brought up a little thing of hair dye because I rented an apartment and I didn't want to get hair dye all over my apartment since I would be charged for that. So I decided to dye my hair at camp because I figured the, art, the craft area wouldn't mind. However, the campers discovered that I had extra hair dye. And about seven of them decided to use it. So we had seven campers who had little stripes of hair dye, not the same color as this. Fortunately, there's something in the paperwork for senior high camp that says, your child may come with different colored hair or less hair than they left camp with, left home with. So they're apprised of this possibility. I was not the only caregiver of a camper present at senior high camp. Most of the adult staff had children at this camp. This is something that I reassured Griffin of so that he wouldn't feel like the only one with his mother lurking about. I had told the other staff that I wanted to make sure Griffin had fun, but I didn't want to get in his way. The other staff helped out by making sure that, yeah, he had fun, but I didn't have to be the bad guy when he was in someone else's cabin and he wasn't supposed to be. So fortunately, other people were the bad guy for me. I was greatly relieved. And in turn, I took pictures of other people's children when they didn't want to be there at bridging. As for Griffin, like I said, he spent a lot of time hanging out with campers in my cabin. So, so much for not seeing him at camp. And he had a blast. I know he did because I, he was overheard saying that he didn't want to go home. Senior high camp was magical. I watched the youth dance underneath the trees to the song Fireflies, which we heard for our offertory. And the lights were strung through the trees like fireflies in the amphitheater. I realized one of the most important lessons that I learned among the pines was that whew, it takes a freaking village to raise these kids. From infants in arms to babes in the woods at camp. I consider myself lucky to have been able to participate in camp this summer. I hope that some of you might someday consider going to camp. You don't, or even volunteering at camp. You don't have to be a parent, just someone who cares about our youth. If you're interested, you can talk to me about it, or you can even talk to Sam. I hope to see you in the woods someday. I hope that you consider becoming a part of the camp family. So may it be.